You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This is the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. Call now with your pet questions. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim. Good morning and welcome to Great Pets. Uh, we have a really interesting show today. Um, and you've heard us discuss this before, the Calgary model. Uh, what Calgary Animal uh, Control Services have been able to establish, which is somewhat remarkable. In fact, the man named Bill Bruce has established one of the most, if not the most, humane, effective, and self-funding programs for animals. We have mentioned this Calgary model on the show before, and today we talk with the source, Bill Bruce, that has made such a difference in so many lives of people and animals. Hey, Bill. Welcome to Great Good Pets. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Dr. Jim here. How are you doing this morning? Great. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So, Bill, to jump right into it, you know, people still believe here that, you know, with all the no-kill um, type of philosophy, that we've addressed the problem of overpopulation and animal control. And we're not finding that to be true here. What have you, how have you changed uh, people's perception of animal control? Well, I think one thing we did here that we've been working on for the last several years is we switched away from trying to hit the target of no kill, and we hit set our target at becoming a no more homeless pets community or a responsible pet owner community, because the outcomes of those will be no kill. Okay. So it's just a different approach. It's trying to build a community where animals are important. Animals have a right to humane care and treatment, and then building an animal services model that actually works, that acts in the interest of all citizens of Calgary, whether they be forward to like it. All right, what are some of the programs, what are some of the models that you've developed here? Well, um, let's see, where should I start? We, uh, because we have an extremely successful licensing program, the, the key thing is we have to get as many animals home as quickly as possible. So right now we run, varies by month to month, but about 85 to 89 percent of dogs are going home. Um, 30% of those don't even come to the shelter. They get driven straight home. Now, our target for this year is we want to hit 50% drive home. So an animal doesn't even come to the shelter. It goes back to its home. And we believe that all dogs get out. Heck, even my dog got out once. And uh, it does happen. So <laughs> it, happens. Yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah, that that must have been a rough day, Bill. I, I was a little embarrassing when I got that phone call. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the first question Monday morning at work is, did you give yourself a ticket? Yeah. And I said, no, I cut myself a warning for a first offense. <laughs> but uh, it happens to everybody. So I think we understand that, that just because your dog got out doesn't make you a bad person. It means something happened. Our goal is to get that animal into safe custody as quickly as we can, out of harm's way, and home again. Well, well, we've recently started uh, a cat licensing program two years ago. Yay. Um, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Uh, Spend a lot of time with the public. We do everything we do is in public consultation. Let me we let me to ask make you. Sure what we do reflects what our public wants. Yeah. So, we we were like other places uh, in Calgary. Nine thousand cats here were going into shelters, and most of them weren't going home. Yeah, I know. And that's not good. And so we asked Calgarians that. They said absolutely not. That's not acceptable. You know, the, so the, we the, put in cat license now in my shelter. Which is great. Um, I've got fifty-six percent now go home within two years. And the use rate drops to 18%. Now that's going to drop more and more every year. So it's, it's having a whole community around it. So the other thing we've done, I think the first thing we did is uh, we buried the hatchets. 
we stopped fighting with each other. So Animal Control Humane Society stopped fighting, and we sat at the table and said, how do we do this job right? And then we got the veterinarians involved, we got the animal rescue groups involved, we got the breeders and the cat and dog fanciers involved, and now we all work as a cohesive team in the best interest of our community. Hey, Bill, can we outline some of the problems that you faced to, uh, that in its inception for what you guys did as an organization? I mean, you just mentioned stray pets. What are the, yeah. other, what are the other problems that you encountered? Absolutely the same as everybody else had. We had problems with stray, nuisance, uh, aggressive animals. We had everything everyone else had. Okay. Um, in the early days of animal services, now my predecessor, Jerry, really started the dog licensing program, which, which set us down that path. Because before Jerry, we were like everyone else. There was a truckload of dogs every week leaving the, the uh, I'll call it a pound. You couldn't call that a shelter. And uh, he saw that and started the licensing program. Then we came in. Then we just shifted the whole concept of what licensing was. And it's not a fee, it's not a tax, it's, it's actually, um, it's a service. It's something you do because it guarantees your, your animals coming home, but it also pays for all the services we provide. Well, how much city uh, tax dollars do you use? None. I don't get a penny of city tax dollars. How? So we run this, this program in a city of 1.1 million people on $5 million, and trust me, it's a Cadillac program. We have a full-service vet clinic with two vets on staff. So for adoptables, we can do right up to dental work, whatever the animal needs to move from the unadoptables to the adoptables. Well, They'll get whether it's behavior correction or... Let's talk about the licensing, if we could, Bill. Yeah. Um, and how, how does that program work? How much does it cost? And, and you know, did they do it from puppies, every single dog? Okay, so I'll just uh, take you know, a 30-second step back in history here. When we started to get serious about it, a license was $23.50. The ticket for not having one was $30, and there was nobody enforcing it. So you can imagine how successful licensing was. There was no consequences. If you got caught, there was very low risk you'd ever get caught. So what we did is we increased the penalty, so it was $250 for not licensing. Hello. <laughs> yeah, hello. Good morning. What, what, um, what does that mean, not licensing, though? Does that mean the dog doesn't wear it on its... Uh, what if it's wearing... No. Okay, go ahead. So, so it's, a, it's a complicated system, but though it means that the dog doesn't have one. If your dog's not wearing, uh, if you just give me your name or address, I can type that in the computer and tell you right away. We issue a permanent license that gets renewed electronically every year. Okay. So if the, do the dog's not licensed, there's a fine for that, but I don't think I've ever actually laid it. If the dog is licensed, uh, the dog is licensed. We also encourage chips and tattoos for backup, and we embed that information in your license file. So council increased the fine to 250 and actually put some money forward to hire some staff to, to really do the job right, take it away from just administrative function. And they did that with the uh, expectation that this department would become self-funded out of its revenues. So that's where we kind of started. So a license right now in Calgary, and, and the price of the license is, is very unique to a community. So what I did is, you know, read the book Tipping Point and had to figure out economically where the majority of people could comfortably afford. So for us, uh, altered dogs, spayed dog is $31 a year, and intact is 52 For cats, altered cat is $10, and uh, intact cat is 30 and those are renewed annually. Now you can renew, you can get a renewal license in Calgary 24 hours a day, seven days a week by just calling 311, or you can go online and do it yourself, pay with a credit card. 
You can do it in person during business hours at City Hall or at the shelter. You can even flag an officer down the street. He's got a machine in his vehicle. He could write your, your credit card. All right, your Bill, we, we need to go to break. If you wouldn't mind, we'd like to have you on for the hour. So oh, yeah, when we I'm come here. back from break, I want to talk about the cat licensing and how that works since collars on cats can be difficult. Yeah, we found that, too. We had a solution. <laughs> I can't wait to get back to you. You're with Great Pets. I'm Brian Commons with Dr. Jim McKiernan. We'll be back, and we'll take phone calls at the last 10 minutes of the show. So please listen up. This may be the model that we want to look at <coughs> Stafford County. Paw Fume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Paw Fume's super long-lasting sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Paw Fume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Paw Fume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Paw Fume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio, everybody. This is Dr. Jim with my co-host Brian Kilcommons. We are talking with Bill Bruce from Calgary, Canada today about some of the laws that have been implemented in Calgary, which, which have done an absolutely amazing, staggering statistics or for the pet population. Um, and I, I, you know, Bill, I say that in, in adoration for, for you know, they, these th- numbers don't lie, and it's just amazing what you've done so far. So, Bill, wh- how do you license cats? Hello? Yeah, Bill? Oh, I can barely hear you. Um, how do you license, uh, how, how did you go about cat licensing and identifying cats? Well, the first thing we did is back in 2002 is when we got the groups together because we had this problem of, in Calgary, 9,000 cats a year going through shelters, and most of them, frankly, were leaving in a bag. And uh, we, we were up front with the numbers. We went publicly to the citizens and said, is that okay with you, Calgary? They said, absolutely not. At the same time, we had a, a euthanization rate on dogs of 4%. So we sat down and said, well, what's the difference? We saw some key differences. Cat owners behaved differently than dog owners, which surprised us. In Calgary, no dog owner would put his dog out to the street at 11 o'clock at night and go to bed cattles were doing that so we knew we had some education to do and then we saw the other key difference was only about 17 percent of cats coming to shelters had id to assist us in getting them home so we started the process of working with the public and then we took to council that cats should be licensed the same as dogs now after the education and all the consultation we knew walking in there that 85 percent of the citizens agreed with us that it was time to put cat licensing in so i know uh uh, before the break, you mentioned putting a collar on a cat. Uh, we identified that very quickly. 
I just happened to be speaking at a conference of about 650 animal professionals um, right about that time. So I asked the question, I still ask this quite often, who's ever found a cat hanging from their collar? <laughs> Nobody ever has. Dogs all the time. Um, but nonetheless, this wasn't the hill to that. So what we did is we changed policy. And we said, if a cat has a chip or a tattoo, it doesn't have to wear the license. You will be issued a license, stick it in the drawer, whatever you like, um, but just have the cat chipped or tattooed and we'll go off that number for safety. The other thing we did for people who didn't, that took the callers, we issued them a free breakaway collar with the license. Okay. Now, Bill, how do you... Here's an example. In Massachusetts, they, they passed a law, believe it or not, on, 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 on the use of marijuana. And it was, it, it was a big uproar in the state. And it was a $100 fine. And after a few or five months, they found that only a few people uh, were paying because they hadn't thought about enforcing it. So if you're going to tag these people with $250 fines, um, how are you enforcing these? I, I have 24 professional animal control officers on my staff. Uh, ironically, in two years, we've issued over 48,000 cat licenses, and we're just now occasionally starting to enforce it. So with the cat, quite often, like a dog, quite often the animal comes into the shelter if they're rescued. It has no license. The owner comes in to get it. Um, we'll take it then. Okay. If I see the animal on your property, I can enter, knock on your door. If I see it in your window, I can knock on your door. If my, if my system shows no license. But we really haven't had to go to that step for a boat. About 45% uh, of our cat population license. We expect it to take five years to get up to the dog number. So we've been doing a very collaborative, co-op, cooperative way of doing the licensing without using the hammer. Well, and, and part of this is getting people to license their pets. So you have some pretty innovative programs as far as making it available to people to license their pets. What have you done there? Well, in fact, we have a licensing program on right now. We do about every 15 to 18 months we'll come up with a new program. Just people forget, you know, and sometimes that license is kind of in the back of your mind. You've got a million other things going. It's a small bill. I mean, compared to your cable bill or your electrical or gas, it's a tiny little bill of $31. You get thrown in the basket and you forget. So we run what we call an amnesty program, or come clean now, we'll go easy on you. Even if you've had a lapse for three years, you can come forward during this period. You will not be issued a ticket. We'll just license you fresh from today. Uh, like it's a new license. So that encourages people to, to just get it done. We've got one going out. It's quite, uh, going quite well. Uh, the other one we started last year, we started a new program. We, we stole this idea from the furniture manufacturers of get it now and don't pay. And so if you've never licensed your animal before, you're entitled to a free six-month license. No questions asked. Just uh, call 301 or pop in and we'll issue a free one. In six months, you'll get an invoice to start licensing. We did that last year. I think we picked up over 10,000 new licenses, largely cats. And then uh, we checked 608 and virtually all of them renewed. But I think the key is, on my dog side, because we do it longer, I have over 90% of people voluntarily renew their license. And the reason for that is they see value to the license. All the services, and we advertise that publicly, where that money goes, it all comes directly to animal services. It all gets invested back into the animal community. Huh. It doesn't go into the general revenue fund. Bill, in, in New Hampshire, we have a, a logo on our license plate that says, live free or die. Yeah. And you mentioned 85% support from your community. Yeah. Where did that come from? Was there a referendum? Was there a ballot? Was there a voting? How did, no, we, you did, we do surveys, so we, we had uh, six different surveys to validate that. 
One was an internet one that people dialed up and gave their opinions. We had literally thousands of people do that. We did another one with a consultant uh, who does this for a living. He designed the questions and the survey and then did a random demographically balanced survey by phone of the community. And uh, then we had four media outlets that did their own surveys with their viewers. And they all came up in around anywhere from about 83 to 87% in favor. Mm. Now, you raised licensing fees and especially the fines, uh, you know, with the tight economy. What was the pushback? Uh, you know, not, not much if you handle it properly because uh, Calgary is one of those swing economies. It's either hot or it's cold. And uh, in the 90s, when that fine went up in 91, it was, uh, we were in a bit of a recession here. But the reality is the fine is the easiest thing in the world to avoid. Just do the right thing and you'll never get one. Has this saved the city money? Well, obviously, that's $5,000 not coming off the tax roll. And uh, because we're, we're generating that money, it's coming directly to us at budget time. So we're in budget right now with council. I don't have to go and ask for my animal budget and compete against fire and police and school and library and parks and roads because my money's already there. Yep. And so I can, I can have whatever programs and whatever staff I want to implement as long as I've got the money. I think so well, with it, me? I'm sorry. One of the challenges that we have here is one, um, there is what is called the Cochico Valley Humane Society, which is a private, uh, not-for-profit humane organization. When people don't realize that they subsidize animal control for 10 different towns. And many of the towns don't have animal control officers. Um, and the financial model is just undoable. And it, it's showing and it doesn't really address the problems of animals running at large and also people the dog situation is not it has gotten better the cat situation is out of control wow now see that's that's completely opposite to what we're doing i actually subsidize my humane society because they get stuck not a good word to choose so that's what happens with all the surrenders especially kittens um, they have a lot on their plate so I give them a quarter million dollar grant every year to assist them with public education programs they run, animal training programs they run, and another group, Meow, we give a grant to because they assist us with the TNR cap. All right, Bill, we need to go to break. We're going to come yeah. back, and we're going to be talking about, you know, how, what your challenges were with this, and also how we can hopefully implement this model in the Stafford County area. So we'll be back. We'll be taking phone calls at the end of the show, last 10 minutes at 1-888-441-9876. If you care about animals, you want to listen to this, we need to make things better. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step -step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. 
Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back. You're with Great Pets Live. We're talking to Bill Bruce, who has established the most effective animal control template for North America. And we're talking about how he's gone about doing this. So, Bill, as far as Calgary is a city of 1.1 million people, how did the politicians react to this? Uh, you know, at first, uh, I had a couple of real strong supporters on council. And then as we started to move into it, and politicians basically, they have to react to what the public is saying. And when they start to see strong public support, then they feel safer. Uh, believe me, the last time before I tried it, cat licensing was attempted, there were 600 angry people picketing City Hall. And I think that the greatest flaw we make as government employees is we forget to let people know what the issues are, what the solutions are, and how this is going to solve the problem. We just go ahead and assume everyone's on board. So we took that different approach. We spent two years working with the public, with open houses, and with education, and explaining to people how this would work, what other things we thought of, what hadn't worked. So when we walked in there, people knew what we were asking. And then we were public accountable. If you go on my website, you'll see my stats are always publicly displayed, so there's transparency. So part of it was, as government, restoring confidence. And when people saw the dog numbers and saw how many dogs get saved, um, of course they want the same thing for cats. Right, but the, as you were saying, the dog and cat owners are very different in psychology and behavior. So we understood that we had to do some work on that. So we've a lot of the work we've done is on the whole indoor cat and the whole keeping the cat on your property, which has been good because that brings down your cat complaints. And my road crews have reported since we put all this in place that uh, the number of road-killed cats that they're having to pick up has dropped significantly. Um, talking about the cats, what are, you have funded, we were talking earlier, as far as trap, neuter, and release programs. How is that working? Well, we have a group called the Meow Foundation that stands for Make Everyone Wanted. They are cat rescue experts. And, boy, man, have they taught me a lot about feral cats. Uh, feral cats are not inherently bad. Young ones can be tamed. I've, I've personally seen it done. Older ones can be trapped, neutered, released, and put back. And we don't call them feral cats. They're other community cats. They go into an area in the community, usually where they came out of. They have a volunteer in that area who's looking after to make sure it's fed and it's got adequate shelter and it's healthy. And then they educate the public as to this cat in the community. And people actually get to know that, that Tom. And because he's been neutered, we don't have the issue of the breeding and, 
if we have a complaint we've got a problem on their property the cat's straying onto it we'll even do things like give them a motion sensor detector sprinkler head they put this out cat comes in gets sprayed twice he won't come back and it works so try to involve the community in the solution and that's what meow does and the reason i use meow is um it's best as a government employee that i don't know where these cats are all i know is they've got chips in them if they get caught and brought in I scan it, it's a meow cat, it's licensed to meow, uh, a no charge license. And then I just phone Debbie at meow and say, come on and pick up one of your cats. And then she moves it back to the community, but she follows up with education, again, enforcing the community what the role of this cat is. So she's literally dropping the cat back off into downtown Calgary, if that was where it was from originally? Yeah, yeah. mostly we don't get them at downtown. They, uh, they seem to be more in the uh, community areas. Hmm. Which is another question. I mean, we have a lot of rural areas in New Hampshire. So you're the city of Calgary, which I've been to, which is stunning. But how many rural people do you reach with this program? Oh, lots. Uh, Calgary is 1.1 million. We're spread over 500 square miles of city. We actually have full agricultural areas within the city as well. So we do have that rural component. Oddly enough, we don't get the complaints from them about cats. And I think it's just the, the, the complaints on cats always come from the, uh, the inner city or the more densified areas where they seem to have a more of an impact. Uh, unfortunately, the rural areas, Roman cats don't uh, have much of a chance because we also have a strong coyote population. Right, and so they, they uh, check the cat. Is, so I think part of the education is teaching people that the fact that the cat is in the community, it has somebody watching over it to make sure it's properly fed. It's been spayed, neutered, it's had its vaccinations. It's, it's really a low threat to the community. Has your population of cats being surrendered dropped? Uh, actually, no, mine's gone up a little bit. Okay. Which uh, I don't see as a bad thing because my overall return to owner youth rates have dropped dramatically. So more coming in and they're getting either placed back into homes, adopted, or sent home. So that's not a bad thing. All right. What about Audubon? You know, here in the States, the Audubon is really upset with the impact of feral cats on the songbird and game bird populations. Any comment there in Canada as far as the uh, Audubon Society? Yeah, we've read that study, and uh, we don't disagree with it, which is why we don't support uh, people just letting all cats roam free. But the feral cats, we have so few, it's a pretty low impact. And because of the spade neutering that's happening, we're not getting more and more feral cats showing up. Because we have a good animal control and a good cat program, the ones that are being dumped by people in a park are quickly being picked up. And then they're, they're brought in, they're spayed, they're neutered, and they're adopted out. All right, so, so you have a really aggressive adoption policy going on. We do. Uh, we're, we're pretty easy to adopt from. We don't put you through a Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> what we want to make sure is more than anything is you understand the responsibility you're taking on. And, wh and what does a, a cat license cost, Bill? $10 if it's altered. So 31 for a dog and 10 for a cat. Yeah. And what are your adoptions? Everything we adopt out has been spayed, neutered, and whatever corrections that needed have been done. So, I mean, we just did a dental on the dog we were adopting out. Tooth extraction and... Uh, a deep cleaning because he was under anyway for his neuter so we thought we'd just clean him up too you know what that costs that's an expensive procedure because i have in-house vets and tax at my own clinic i don't have any business overheads i can do that simply for the cost of the time for the people to do the work that just moved that dog from non-adoptable to adoptable and in fact he's already adopted and what are your adoption fees bill i charge uh 
a hundred and fifty dollars for a cat, and I charge two hundred for a dog. <coughs> Have you had any pushback with that? No, actually, we we raised it, and our adoptions went up. <laughs> That's okay. interesting, Bill. I, I like that model. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think of it, uh, I mean, I had a friend uh, embarrassingly call me one day to tell me he got a kitten, a free kitten for his daughter, and I said, "So, Steve, what did your free kitten cost you?" And he said, "Well, about five hundred dollars." By the time we went through the series of shots, the, the spaying of the cat, the microchipping of the cat, and all the things a good owner would do, well, you could have got that same cat from me for 150 So if a dog is caught roaming around where he shouldn't, there's a one-time warning that's, that's given to that person? Yeah, first it's properly licensed. Uh, the first time he's out, you're going to get a warning. Right. And we're going to try as hard as we can. Now, our animal control units are custom-built for us, and they're climate-controlled. They stay between 60 and 72 degrees, no matter what the outside temperature is. And there's water on board. So we can hold the, the dog in a comfortable kennel, literally for a shift, while we try to find his home. Because we want to drive him home, especially on the street. We want to determine how he got out. Right, And then, and then we can give you some advice. And the officers are all trained in mediation and conflict resolution. They know how to talk to people in a friendly way. To get comp Our goal is compliance. Our goal is not to be racking up impressive stats on how many tickets we can write. You know, you can teach a chimpanzee to write a ticket that's just filled in the blanks. It takes a skilled officer to solve the problem. So most of our at-large cases, it's simply we recommend you run down to Home Depot and spend $15 on a self-closing gate spring. And then the dog is never, we never hear from you again. That's perfect. We don't ever want to have you as a repeat customer unless it's to buy another license. And the cats. If there's a cat roaming around the neighborhood and it ends up at your place, is there a warning for the first time as well? Absolutely. In fact, cats, uh, we give them a little extra because we know it's harder to keep a cat in than a dog. Right. And so cats, every calendar year, you get one free free get-out-of-jail card. Okay. So and a, so, lot of, a lot of cities and towns have passed breed-specific legislation, which I'm sure you're well aware of, you know, banning pit bulls or Rottweilers or whatever. Do you have breed bans or are you going to establish them? No. We have no breed bans and we have no pet limits. Why is that? We don't need them here because we have responsible pet ownership. So that's sort of a key piece when we, we went down this path. A um, little quick story on that is we built this whole responsible pet owner model, and then it occurred to me one night late that we never really told people what that was. And, you know, it's fine to throw it out there. It's a cute little catch term. My aunt thinks she's the most responsible pet owner in the world because she has two 25-pound Shih Tzus that eat at the table, and they have bacon and eggs for breakfast with the family. And... Uh, then they go after dinner to the Dairy Queen for ice cream, and that's not responsible. So we said, let's define that. So we came up with four things a responsible pet owner does. Number one, license and permanent ID on your animal. Key to take it home. Unless you're a breeder, qualified breeder, or working with one, spay and neuter your pet. Number three, provide the proper physical care, training, socialization, grooming, feed, exercise, the things that the animal needs to be balanced, healthy, and happy. Number four, don't let your pet become a threat or a nuisance in the community. If you can do those four things, and I can't imagine anyone who can't, they're pretty simple, um, two great things happen. Your constitutional rights to have whatever animal you want as a pet, and the number you want are protected, and I won't be at your door. What about so, so those are good things. So when you think of it, if everyone does those four things, I'm actually out of a job. I uh, know. Because the, the animal's not bothering anybody, and it's properly cared for. As, have you ever looked into, and I don't want to use the word mandatory, but requiring uh, training classes, socialization, anything like that, so that people <coughs> get a dog, do something in that regard? 
Yes, we do. Uh, in fact, we have a process now with our adoptees, for example, where they receive a behavior test. We're using the safer, but we don't use it as a decision-making model. It doesn't decide if the dog lives or dies. What it decides is where might this animal have some issues that are coachable. And then you adopt the dog with conditions. You go to the trainer. If you can't afford it, I will subsidize that for you. And then you work through those issues with the dog, and then we turn him from unadoptable into a healthy, balanced dog living in a nice home. Uh, when a dog is involved in an aggressive incident, I have the ability to order all kinds of things like muzzling, containment, and now we're starting to put conditions on on several of them about training. When we see that first sign of aggression, which is a chase threat, then we're on to you. We're about the training of the dog, the socialization of the dog, and working through the dog issues. And, and these dogs are also identified in the community. Absolutely. So, all righty, Bill, we need to go to break. We'll be talking about the Calgary model that has been so successful in Calgary and should be a template for North America and the rest of the country. We're on with Bill Bruce, who's head of Calgary Animal Services. We'll be taking phone calls at the end of the show at 1-888-441-9876. You're with Great Pets Live. We'll be back. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim McKiernan with Brian Kilcommons. Quick question for you. when I think about this entire interview, one of the things that you said that was so poignant and so important was that you got the public on board before you went to the, the, the council and the politicians. Absolutely. And, and can you just kind of briefly outline for us again how you went about doing that so that the public became educated? Was it through media, the newspaper, television? I mean, what exactly did you do? Media was the key tool. We have a really, really good media in Calgary because their, their goal is to always provide balanced stories. So they did a whole bunch of stories. They were in the shelter filming cats, talking about the issues. We did open houses, public forums. We gave people a chance to come forward, and believe me, I spent many, many nights at public forums. 
answering people's questions and listening to their concerns and then offering up solutions. So that's why it took two years. Uh, if you're going to change public opinion, you have to do it with facts. And those facts have to be validated and they have to be clear and they have to be true. Bill, did, did you find that most of the community really understood the problems that they after had? After two years, they did. I'm sorry? Um, after two years. After, after two years of working with them, everybody understood it. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, dogs and cats, love them or hate them, animal control, humane, we're all your best friend because we're there to make sure that they're not being a threat or a nuisance and they're not being poorly cared for. So when people understand that, then they tend to come along if you, if you make sense to them. Now, I know you've been speaking at huge conferences all over the, the states. Um, have any communities adopted this format? Uh, we've got one in Canada that's gone whole bore the way we have, and their license numbers now rival mine, and of course everything else is fog. Wh which city in Canada is that? Saskatoon. Okay. And then uh, I see little bits of it getting implemented, and uh, I see that as a problem because it's not like a smorgasbord where you pick little, little bits and pieces of it and expect to get the same result. The program has to be looked at two questions you have to answer, the what question and the why qu or how question. The what question is education responsible pet ownership, spay, neuter, all those things that we know bring it together. The how question is, how do you do it in your community? What's your demographic? What are your challenges? Who's involved? Who are your partners? Who are your stakeholders? Once you figure that out, it's pretty easy to do. Anybody in the States, Bill? Any, I know you were in Southern California doing some stuff. Yeah. No, they're hung up on this mandatory spay, neuter thing, and my program doesn't support that. For us, mandatory spay, neuter becomes a barrier to licensing. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't spayed and neutered, you're not going to come forward and license. Um, pet numbers become a barrier to licensing. If you've got a three limit and I've got four, I'm not going to license and turn myself in. So for our licensing program, we decided to remove all those barriers. Now we support spay and neuter. Everything leaves our shelter or any shelter in Calgary spayed and neutered. If you can't afford it, I have a program to provide free spay and neuters to low-income citizens. No questions asked. So you're not the pet police? No. No, we're, at, we're the, believe it or not, we're the government. We're here to help. <laughs> and we well, really do. Yeah, evidently you do, but I don't think people in the States really believe that at this point. Well, um, that's, that's why you have to show people transparently what you're doing. So, as I said before, I don't ban any breeds, but I don't have a bite problem here. Last year I recorded, I had 145 dog bites on people. Out of so, a population of 1.1 million. Yeah, so to, to do the math on that, that's 11 bites per 100,000 people. Now, I know the U.S. average is 68 bites per 100,000. My number one biter in Calgary is the Bichon, or Bichon-type dog. <laughs> so even though we've had an influx of pit bulls into the community from Ontario, we're not seeing that resonate in an increasing aggression. In fact, we're involved in a huge study into animal aggression this year where we do a 200-point questionnaire and investigation into every bite no matter how minor and including a behavior test on the dog and a medical look at the dog and what we're finding is it's as we predict there's between four and six things that people either do or do not do that create dogs that bite and the breed of the dog is not part of that all dogs can and will bite it's it's what we do or do not do that creates that situation. Oh, I want to follow up with you on that later, Bill. Yeah. Now, let, let's get down to the bottom line, numbers and yeah. costs. You know, as so, far as me? what you, you were paying out, what you're paying out now, and how has this program impacted on your costs? Oh, my costs are up, but because the cat license and my revenues are up. So my total budget right now is $5 million. 
Okay. So, what does it cost per animal for you to maintain a dog or a cat in the shelter system there? Oh, um, uh, let me see. Now, you have to remember, in my shelter, the average dog goes home in three days or less. Um, cats, maximum 15 days. We do have some guests that stay with us longer to find them a new home, but that's what the averages are. My cost per day, probably, I'm guessing around 7 or $8 per visitor. Okay, now I, I know at Kachiko, if a dog is picked up, it's seven days in the kennel. Roughly. Okay, so what we do is uh, we have a policy of if the animal has no identification under law in four days, it becomes my property, and then I can adopt it out. If it's got identification, I will look for you for 10 days. If I don't find you in 10 days, then the dog becomes my property. Now, if you come on the 15th day and say, hey, that's my dog. And here's a picture of me with my dog. I say, okay, I'll release it back to you, but you're going to pay the impound. But if I've adopted it out, you can't get it back. You've got your 10 days. We've tried everything. We've left carts on your doorstep. We've phoned you. We've done your emergency. We've done everything. So that's the way it works. Now, we will keep an animal. If We will not euthanize a healthy, adoptable animal. Absolutely not. So we'll keep it for as long as it is to find it a home. Uh, we have a volunteer program that come in and socialize it. Even the staff take dogs for walks on their lunch hour to try to keep them mentally and physically uh, in good condition so they're ready to go to a new home. And Bill, uh, I've never been to Calgary, unfortunately, but what about the suburbs if they exist? And I'm thinking if a dog or cat in the suburbs does end up at your place, does the town that's on the on this you know on the periphery do they pay you? No, because we're uh, Calgary is what you would call a unit city. Right. So we're 500 square miles. This includes the rural area. They're under the city. Now, if one of our neighboring towns or, or rural areas, they have their own animal people. And what we just have is a cooperation agreement. So if they have a serious case, they just phone us and we send a unit down to help them out. If they had a serious attack by two German shepherds on a young fellow, they don't have facilities to impound that animal or to do the kind of investigation that needs to be done. All right, Bill, so, we need to go to break. We're going to yeah. be following up with this. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, 
and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio with Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan. We are talking about Calgary, uh, Alberta's uh, animal control and with Bill Bruce. Bill, some really fascinating stuff. And, you know, it, clearly this hasn't been something that's been going on for six months with you. It's been going on. This has become a part of your life. It's exactly. And, uh, you know, just a, a 30 second explanation of why it works so well. If you look at what we do, you'll find a remarkable similarity to every successful business in North America. What, what do you think some other pushback would be, Bill? What do you think in, in the States? What do you, th- you mentioned the mandatory spay neuter. Do you have any yeah. other things that people would say, I don't want this program because? Yeah, really, it's, it's, uh, it's human nature. We don't like to be told what to do. We like to be asked. And so we put mandatory on and we don't remove barriers then basically only 30% of people will do what they're told. 95% or 90 at the lowest will go along with something, even if they don't initially agree with it, if they understand it and see the benefit, they will participate. Hmm. That's who we are as people. So the first step in order to implement something like this, Bill, would be the education program and engaging the community with the media? Absolutely. In education, I have four board-certified teachers on my staff as well to hmm. help a puppet. We do programs of six curriculum-based programs in the school. Um, that's all part of it. So we're trying to change those attitudes around animals right at the school level. Those kids are taking that home. So what we're trying to do is create a responsible pet owner community through behavior change as opposed to the threat of enforcement. Do you, do you allow other people to use those materials, Bill? Oh, absolutely. Everything we have is available to any municipality free of charge. And, you know, it's, as I say, I, I've spoken to many municipalities. All they pay for is my airfare and my hotel, my city actually pays the time. It's a gift from my mayor. But uh, if we've learned something that can help you, it's free to any, any agency that wants to to help the community in the animal world. So, Bill, how are you uh, handling the wings and the halo? Oh, no, it's not about me. It's about the animals. And it's about, uh, if I say there's one thing I've done that's really good, is I seem to have the talent for hiring really great people. Yeah, it helps. Because everyone on my staff is a winner. Well, it's an unbelievable program, and I think it's something that I know we're going to be promoting on this show for a while and maybe looking at making some changes in Stafford County and Kachiko Valley Humane Society and pet owners, giving them a better understanding of where we're at with animals in this community. Yeah. You probably get your fair share of shelters, but my learning has been seeing many shelters across North America. What I'm seeing are... We're not having a problem with the overpopulation. We don't have a problem with stray nuisance or aggressive animals. Every animal in shelters is there because the human relationship failed it. They're used to people. They've been handled by people. They're there because we've got a problem with responsible pets. Bill, do you have a leash law in your community? There is someone around us where there's no like leash law, but it's, it's as long as they're kind of within controllable distance, 10 feet verbal, or so. Verbal control. Verbal control. Any thoughts yeah. on that? What we do is we, we do have a leash law. Because, it's, I mean, with <clears throat> the size of the population, how do I test every dog to find out if it really does? And as you know, with dogs, when it goes wrong, it goes wrong very fast. But we do have 138 off-leash areas. 
off-leash areas, like open woods where they can run kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. And then the rules there are very simple. Uh, you must have control of your dog, either verbal, whistle, signal, whatever. It must respond to your commands. Can't bother anybody else, and you got to pick up behind it. All right. Bill, this has just been a great interview. You are doing phenomenal work. Keep it up. And we're going to be in touch with you because I think this is something that we're going to see about helping to implement in this community. If well, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's too bad that now it goes by so fast. <laughs> to say the least, i got a lot more questions, but maybe we can do this again soon. Sure, give me a call, and uh, certainly email me your address, and I'll mail you some of the materials down. Terrific, Bill. Thank you so much. Have thank a great you. Sunday. I want to thank everybody for listening to Great Pets Radio, and we're going to pick it up again next week. Dr. Jim McKiernan with Brian. You've been listening to the Great Pets Radio Show. Join Brian and Dr. Jim next Sunday for more informative pet talk. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.